0: Of DFS MVP Holden Kusher, alongside TJ Hernandez, we got some Fanduel pricing out. We got a, a big change with Fanduel as well. But TJ, first of all, great to be hanging with you. I know you're you're knee deep in the fantasy football world, the DFS world right now. But that music, a little ludicrous, get me going tonight.
1: Yeah, Luda. Uh, DFS rolled out prices this week, so we hit hit them with little uh, ludicrous rollout from uh, word of mouth. 2001 is when that album dropped so uh always nice to to get a little loot in there actually it was the first ludicrous song we had on the playlist which was surprising because i I thought for sure we would have some but uh i I know that because i looked at the spotify dfs mvp playlist that is available if you search dfs mvp
0: i'm glad that you put together rollout and the Fanduel thing because i just thought you played uh little bit of uh, ludicrous because of the the album word of mouth not because there was a tie to FanDuel getting rid of kicker and dropping pricing
1: it's a good yeah job. I mean if I'm being completely honest I just looked at the suggestions at the bottom and picked one and, and made up the segue <laughs> on the spot
0: <laughs> so we got FanDuel getting rid of the kicker we got um, pricing is out and preseason DFS is here as well and it's mm-hmm. a completely different beast uh, than everything else but I do want to remind you DFS is MVP, if you are looking for the best DFS subscription in the business, TJ's doing it. I mean, I'm I'm reading everything every single day on the site. Use our promo for 25% off DFS MVP. Our promo is DFS MVP, 25% off all the DFS content on 444.com. Of course, uh, TJ, if they rate and review, maybe you get a t-shirt, right?
1: Yeah, uh, leave five stars with a nice review and and we'll uh we'll pick somebody every week. Um I don't know how long it's gonna run. We'll it, it's it's open-ended, but uh giving out a, a free t-shirt of your choice in the four for four store. Very, very soft. This week's winner, uh Madge Flet C. I don't know if I'm saying that right. M-A-G-F-L-E-T-C. Uh, left us a nice five-star review. So uh, if Madge Flet C, if you're on Twitter, you're listening this week, shoot me a message at TJ Hernandez. Uh, I'll open up my DM for you, and we'll get that info for a nice free 4-for-4 4 4 T-shirt.
0: All right, let's get right into this, because FanDuel, this is, a, this is a big change in the world of DFS. Mm-hmm. You got D- DraftKings, FanDuel, obviously the two big ones that uh, just about everybody in DFS plays, and FanDuel just got rid of the kicker. And they replaced it with a flex. So first of all, before what it means, what do you think about this? Just from a guy that loves DFS, we think about getting rid of the kicker.
1: I don't like it because, uh, I just like having a variety of options when I'm playing DFS. Uh, I'll get into why I think it changes the game and obviously brings it closer to what uh, DraftKings is already offering, um, kicker is actually really predictable and i think there's an edge to be had i think we might have talked about it in one of the previous pods already but a lot of people ignore the kicker position and when you are in a game where you're trying to uh, exploit very thin margins i think something like the kicker where people are just ignoring it or it's an afterthought is great to have because it uh, adds an element that i don't think people realize is profitable and i i kind of made a a tongue in cheek, but also kind of serious note on, on Twitter Fanduel. not, not a slight fan. I love what they do, but they kind of tried to push it as catering to the customer and had all these tweets in uh, a little video promo they had about people hating the kicker. But uh, I, I don't know if that's the, that's the move. Like if you're just kind of uh, catering to the, to the lowest common denominator, sometimes you get a product that uh, people aren't excited about. And, and I would have liked to see them, keep their their product a little differentiated do you do you care I mean you play DFS too what's your thoughts well
0: listen I I like NFL on FanDuel more than DraftKings and Mm -hmm. I think it's always because I play so much PPR season long that I love the half PPR Mm. element to it I also hate using kickers during a long season and I loved it on FanDuel because exactly what you said the fact that I actually do research on kicker gives me a little bit of an edge against the rest of the field because a lot of guys will go in there and say, all right, I'll just get a minimum kicker and we'll move on from there. And that's just not that. That is not how you fill yeah. the kicker spot. So I don't mm-hmm. like it in this instance myself. I don't like it either. It's not going to get me to stop playing FanDuel. No. And the other thing is, is that it's going to, it's just going to force me to change and change is yeah. never easy. Nobody likes changing. You're forced to change. So now all of the, preparation that we've done for years playing FanDuel it got turned upside down it got completely turned upside down because just because you take the kicker out oh it's not a big big deal it's a huge deal roster construction is going to be completely different on FanDuel now T.J.
1: Yeah, it's going to be really different. I'm going to be uh, writing. Uh, I was already planning on writing about the, the DraftKings flex uh, leading up to the season. Uh, that'll be dropping on 4 for 4 So that will now include uh, FanDuel just because there there's going to be a lot of similarities, uh, but there's going to be a lot of differences. And I think it's really worth diving into these differences because there are a lot of people that uh, don't play on both sides. There's a lot of either or people, especially the casual players. I have tons of friends that, that play DFS and if you're outside of our Twitter bubble and you talk to people, they don't refer to it as DFS. They refer to it as FanDuel or DraftKings because a lot of them only play one. Uh, So a lot of these people that play FanDuel, they're not going to, a lot of them aren't going to take the time to, to understand what these changes mean. And for those that haven't played DraftKings before, uh, one of the obvious thing obvious things that's going to happen is cash games are going to be higher variants. Uh, so in the short term, it could look like they're less profitable, but it's also going to let people make bigger mistakes. Uh, that variance is going to come because lineups aren't going to be apples to apples, whereas Beforehand, you had these set positions on on FanDuel. Uh, you had to play a kicker, had to play a defense, had to play three receivers. Now there's this flex spot that gives people options, so you don't necessarily know what you're going to be up against in a given week. Your lineup uh, that has a running back in the flex going up against wide receiver in the flex just going to add a lot of variability.
0: Well, yeah, and last year on FanDuel, I'd say the cash line, it, it, it wavers between what, maybe 125 to the low 130s? on a week basis yeah that's basis. a that's a, good,
1: that's a decent range yeah usually about 2x salary so okay. uh so 60,000 times 2 so about about uh 120 125 it, yeah it's definitely shifted it's it's more towards 125 than it was I don't know 2 or 3 years ago
0: yeah i remember it just being a little even a little higher than that so now mm-hmm. what's the What's what's it going to be? at? What's the cash line? I guess we'll all be finding out because last year, let's say you spent up on catch on a kicker at fifty one hundred dollars, right? A fifty one hundred dollar kicker. Well, this year here's in the fifty one hundred zone. We got Ricky Seals Jones, Eric Decker. If you wanted to go running back, Austin Eckler. Spencer Ware, that's the high end guys right there. So you're going to have to really change things around. There's going to be positions where you're shaving money off big time. Forty seven hundred dollars. Um, Kristen Michael, you're not going to even have. You can't even play Kristen Michael. So forty five hundred. If you wanted to go the min on kicker last year, and then this year you wanted to play him, it's Jacquez Rogers. These these are the guys. Laquan <laughs> yeah. Treadwell at forty six this is going to change your whole lineup around turn it upside down
1: yeah i mean if you're talking about the average scoring uh my guess is that cash lines are probably going to look similar just because you still have a finite amount of dollars to spend and you're still gonna it's gonna people that want to pay up at flex for example are going to be forced to pay down somewhere that's going to bring down the average overall of your lineup but still uh even if that that cash line looks similar, the standard deviation within scores is going to be much greater just because of, of what we already talked about. Um and and I think I talked about it's going to open up people to to some pretty big mistakes and people that haven't played DraftKings might not be super familiar with this, but kind of the the general strategy uh is that in cash games, you you want that higher floor, you want more dependable volume. So the move is often to look for a third running back uh, in your flex and cash games, uh, and that'll probably be even more of a staple on FanDuel. It should be because FanDuel is only half PPR compared to full PPR. So it's harder for pass catchers to make up those points. Uh, in, in GPPs, it's, there's a little more variability to it. Uh, on the surface, wide receivers have more upside just because it's a more volatile position compared to running back. But what we've seen in the past on DraftKings is that uh, the Millie maker, just looking at that tournament uh, as kind of a, a proxy, the winners have been about 50-50 running back uh, versus wide receiver. But uh, obviously th- those aren't hard and fast rules. But, but again, something to think about that uh, maybe people that haven't played DraftKings might not be considering.
0: Yeah, and then I mean, here on, on Fanduel, if you're talking half point PPR, maybe it leans even more toward the running back, right? Because yeah, even FanDuel, in GPPS. You're just targeting touchdowns, so much more than yeah volume, yeah. like you said on DK. So this might be a situation where you are you're you're really having to drop down, whether it be a quarterback or maybe you're you're running back too, and just plugging in. Even a a legitimate second running back, somebody in a massive timeshare, or just hope that there's an injury and you can get somebody in there that's sitting at 5,500 that gets the starting nod that week.
1: Yeah. And and again, that price variability is going to be such a big factor. Like you said, I don't know someone's going to be whatever the X dollar amount is before That kicker spot, we had a range of maybe a thousand dollars, a five thousand to four thousand dollars, the minimum. Uh, and again, that led to lineups. Even if, if people had variability in the players they played, there was still only so much you could do within a certain salary. Now that ninth spot that's a flex position. Someone might spend $4,000 on that spot. Someone might spend $8,000 and that's just going to have a trickle down effect. And And that variance in that one single spot in terms of the salary and what it's going to do to people's overall strategy is just going to add to more variance. And I think it's going to change the way people play FanDuel. I know a lot of really smart dudes in the dfs industry that played exclusively cash on Fandle. cuz because of that that uh, very set in stone lineup structure and played only gpps on draftkings now from what i've seen so far the the structure in terms of payouts Look, still look better on DraftKings, uh, but I, I think we might see people playing slightly more GPPs on FanDuel uh, if they're smart, just to kind of embrace the volatility that that flex position will introduce.
0: Yeah, and then of course, we're so consumed with DFS, we're paying attention right now, but there's a lot of people that show up Maybe a week before the game starts, they're going to get on. And all this, yeah. <laughs> they're going to get on and go. Oh yeah. there's something different about this right here. Where's the kicker?
1: Yeah, I haven't even thought about that. That's a really good point. The the players that sign on um, Saturday night, uh, the September eighth, they're yeah. gonna they're gonna be in for uh, quite a surprise.
0: So maybe it'll give us a little bit of advantage here. Um, those of you listening to DFS MVP, let's, let's keep going here with the FanDuel price release because Mm -hmm. we're sitting here Wednesday. I think it was this morning, right? I'm just messing around. I'm looking on my phone all of a sudden. Oh, Hey, here we go. Tom Brady, the first face I see here a quarterback. Um, we went over the DK pricing last week and there is some overlap. And I know that that's something you want to get to, but here's the question then, because there are some people that just play one site. Why is price shopping so important?
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I, there's, there's a couple reasons. It's probably more so if you are playing both sites that you want to be price shopping. Obviously, if you're just playing one site, um, you're, you're kind of handcuffed by what's available, but there's a couple of reasons for it. The, the obvious one is that if you are torn on players that you want to play the better value. So if you have a player that's priced, say the running back 15 on one site and the running back uh, 28 on the other site, and you're building a, uh, a safe portfolio or you want to have a diversified portfolio, then the the value thing to do is to play him on the site where it's cheaper. But uh, you could also think about it the other way. A lot of people are going to notice that that are playing on both sites. And it's probably going to drive ownership a lot where there is a big price difference. So if that player is more expensive on the other side, probably he's going to be lower owned in tournaments. Maybe you take him where he's more expensive just because we want, uh, we want to pay attention to ownership a lot more in those GPPs. Uh, That's something to think about Uh, a final thing to note. If even if this is for, for anyone uh, even if you're not playing on both sites, it can pinpoint a value or, or, um, Maybe someone that you should be avoiding because if there is that big gap, then at the very least you it, it should it should ring a bell. You should say I should do a little bit more research on this. Why is Fanduel have this player priced tenth at its position? DraftKings has him priced twenty eighth. In week one, it's a little bit different because uh, of the difference in time it comes out. And for the obvious players like I don't know a Chris Thompson or PPR versus half PPR, uh, that that's something uh, that might not be a big deal, but. For other players, it should at least trigger something where you're looking, what does FanDuel know or what does DraftKings know that the other one doesn't? Uh, Maybe that could end up uh, driving your personal ownership percentage on that player.
0: Well, as we go through the position by position, or before we go position by position, let's Mm -hmm. talk about QBs and their pass catchers and some inefficiencies you already dug through. And I want to start with Minnesota here because they got a couple stud-wide receivers to go along with Kirk Cousins.
1: Yeah, and this is something I did on DraftKings last week where I just compare the quarterback pricing and how he's ranked compared to his top two pass catchers. And uh, for those that didn't get a chance to listen, the, the logic behind that is we know Quarterbacks and pass catchers are obviously correlated. If one's expected to have a good game, uh, the other probably will as well. So pricing usually reflects that and it usually fits a pretty tight trend line. And if we we do take the time to trend that out and look for something that's a little bit out of whack, maybe we could find some value. Uh, so one of the most obvious ones, and this doesn't seem like a big gap, but compared to the to the other uh, teammates, it is it is noticeable. Kirk Cousins is priced as the QB seven on Fanduel for week one. And then Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen are priced as the number four pass catching duo top looked at the uh, top two pass catchers again for each of these teams. Uh, So that's a decent little gap there. So uh, people are going to be paying up for Diggs and Thielen while Cousins is relatively affordable.
0: 7,600 in week number one going up against San Francisco who they'll have a uh, last year, a rookie corner that struggled coming into his mm-hmm. second year. Now, Richard Sherman, not even practicing again, because yeah, I mean, that, that secondary looks ugly. And for 7,600, he's sandwiched cousin sandwich right in between Russell Wilson and Phil Rivers. So that's a guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and there, there's a there's an interesting note there on on that. Um, you mentioned that secondary and and Minnesota's favorite, and and I think they have a pretty decent implied point total. Uh, San Francisco struggled down the stretch, but really pay attention, uh, especially with these two and and also with uh, Kyle Rudolph leading up to uh, kickoff in week one, who ends up playing more slot because they rotated a lot of slot uh, in Minnesota last year. But one piece that the 49ers were missing was uh, safety. Jaquizzi tart who played very well against slot and tight end. And then once he went out, we saw those interior pass catchers perform very, very well against San Francisco. So whoever plays more slot in week one could actually uh, be a player to avoid for the Vikings.
0: You know, the next guy on the list or the next uh, passing tandem is Dak. Uh, And then Hearns and Michael Gallup, who has really been showing up as a rookie in camp before you get to the pricing and efficiency there. I'm always fascinated by, by Dallas Cowboys players because you have the largest fan base out there. They're Cowboys fans. And sometimes they just want to play their favorite players and Mm -hmm. more inexperienced players are going to do that. And then on the other side of things, Dak's just coming off a horrible season. He just, he was not a good fantasy quarterback whatsoever and here he is priced at the QB 12.
1: It it sounds there. It sounds a little bit like preseason training camp clickbait, but there's been uh, people out of Dallas saying that there's a chance that if Dak doesn't play well, he could get benched. I'm not buying that, but the fact that it's even that that's even a, a talking point after what he did in his rookie years is, is pretty crazy. Uh, QB 12 is pretty affordable. I think the thing to note in this matchup is definitely Alan Hearns who uh, if there's any Dallas pass catcher that's going to to separate himself as the the one, it's going to be Hearns. Hearns is a guy that uh, has been very valuable in the red zone in his career. I think he's about 28% red zone touchdown conversion rate since he entered the league in 2014. Uh, Priced down as, as the wide receiver, 36 on FanDuel, so... Again, a a wide receiver, one priced outside the top 30. Uh, That's a value that we should at least be considering and and is one that uh, stands out when we look at Hearns and Gallup. They're tied for the second cheapest uh, pass catching duo as the top two pass catchers on their team.
0: Blake Bortles, QB 17. Now you got uh, Marquise (laughs) Lee and D.D. Westbrook, and they're tied with the Dallas wide receivers. And there's a couple of guys, especially Marquise Lee, has a hell of a track record.
1: Yeah, Marquise Lee's the one to know. There, there's another another pass catcher worth noting in this offense, but uh, I, I think this is just more reflective of us not knowing what to expect out of the Jacksonville uh, pass catchers, Marquise Lee, and then just a, a, a bunch of dudes that might get five targets a week. So we have to pay attention to training camp with his team and, and see how it plays out. Uh, Blake Bortles does show up as a uh, early favorite in the Fanduel value reports on four for four. So if if we can get some kind of uh, recognition on who's going to be the the number one or at least the top two targets, there can be some really good value here against uh, the Giants, who are a defense that uh, didn't play great last year. And
0: then this Carolina and Cam Newton, the playing behind a line where forty percent of his starting offensive line is injured this that's gonna be a big question mark coming into mm-hmm. this, this season, but he's also priced as the number five QB at 8,100 on fan So when you're looking at that passing combo, you got Funches and Olsen and, and really, I know, I know he's a running back McCaffrey mm-hmm. could even be the number two or the number three yeah. option in the passing game. But just as far as, as far as QBs and wide receivers or just receivers, Funches and Olsen is the guys you got as, as the two primary targets.
1: Yeah. And that's just using pricing as, um, as a proxy for the top two pass catchers. I didn't include running backs in this. Again, I'm just kind of, uh, looking for just a a quick and dirty way to, to look for some inefficiencies. And this was similar to something we talked about on the DraftKings pod last week. Cam's just going to have, uh, an elevated price, relative to his pass catchers probably all season because as of now, there isn't a guy that stands out as an elite option. And Cam is one of the rare quarterbacks that doesn't need to put up 300 passing yards to put up a huge fantasy day. And You mentioned the the bad offensive line or, or the injured offensive line. Cam's already a running quarterback. It's probably going to lead him to uh, a lot more rollouts and and probably a lot of uh, not exact passes and, and precise routes. So those those big bodied uh, receivers that aren't necessarily route runners, aka Funches, it uh, might be thrown up to him a lot early in the year.
0: So now we go to the the individual positions, just player by player. The yeah. pricing inefficiencies. Two guys you got here. Eli Manning and Patrick Mahomes. Who, gosh, I just lo- I love that arm <laughs> so much for Week One. I also love the Chargers' defense right now because I'm sure Mahomes will have his his time to turn it over. But what did you see with Manning between DK and FanDuel, and what did you see with Mahomes between the two sites?
1: Yeah. And, and again, before we jump into these positions, I, I just wanted to mention that we're going to, we're just going to look at, at price comparison here. We, we've done a breakdown of the, uh, of kind of our favorite plays and, and there's a lot of overlap and in, in what we talked about last week on DraftKings and, and the article I wrote, and there will be an article coming out tomorrow that breaks down these prices, but, uh, just looking at these inefficiencies doesn't necessarily mean players that we are going to play, but, but maybe situations we should dive a little deeper into, and and Eli Manning versus Jacksonville. Uh, he's priced as the quarterback twenty-seven on DraftKings, but the quarterback twenty on FanDuel. So FanDuel expects him to to be a, a little bit better. Uh, compared to the field than uh, DraftKings does. And I talked up Odell as one of my favorite players uh, last week, but this Jacksonville secondary is very good. Their only uh, chink in their armor was that they struggled against elite wide receivers last year. And that's why I liked Odell. Um, Eli's noticeably cheaper on DraftKings, so that's if you are going to play him, uh, probably that's that's where you want to look. And then uh, there there just aren't a lot of discrepancies at quarterback uh, between the two sites. But Mahomes is a QB eleven on DraftKings compared to the QB fifteen on Fanduel, so so cheaper on Fanduel. Uh, Chargers did play very well. Uh, they, they they have a great secondary, but they're already down Jason Verrett this year to uh, I think it was a torn Achilles or an ACL. I don't remember exactly what it was, but but out for the season and. I mentioned last week. I think this is a game that that has shootout potential, and I do like uh, buying both uh, of the the pass catchers and quarterbacks on this team. I think they're nice correlation plays. Uh, so uh, Mahomes cheaper on Fanduel is uh, pretty noticeable compared to DraftKings.
0: All right. So I think it's interesting what Fanduel did as far well compared to the DraftKings prices. What Fanduel did with the rookies. Ronald mm-hmm. Jones, Rashad Penny, yeah. uh, Jones with Tampa Bay, Penny with Seattle, and then Royce Freeman with Denver. And we don't even know how big the roles of these guys are going to be in week one at this point. They haven't even played a preseason game when we're taping this. But I, I to me, I found it interesting, the difference in pricing at running back.
1: Yeah, and, and that... I think the intuitive thing there is it just points to a, a tough way to evaluate uh, where these rookies are at so early in camp on DraftKings. They had no camp to go off of uh, FanDuel They have a week of camp, but we still haven't had a preseason game. That starts as if this recording, It'll it'll be tonight when this recording drops. But uh, Ronald Jones, of those players you mentioned, the running backs with the big discrepancies, he's the only relevant back that's cheaper on FanDuel than he is on DraftKings. The other ones is that we'll mention are, are flip flop the other way. But uh, Jones's price is the RB21 on DraftKings compared to the RB33 on FanDuel. I don't know if I really care about this uh, price discrepancy, the, the Buccaneers' At the Saints, Tampa Bay's probably going to be in a situation to have to throw a lot to keep up with this potent Saints offense. I think there is a running back to keep an eye on in this game, and it's whatever... Saints running back wins that Mark Ingram role because there is a chance that this is a really good game script situation for the Saints and if somebody does get that 50-50 split with Kamara for the first couple of weeks uh, whether it be Trent Richardson or, or someone else then uh, it, it could be um it could be an interesting uh, week one
0: yep uh, I'm right there with you on that and then we move down to the wide receiver position and a big one here to me, it's T.Y. Hilton. Uh, this is the ultimate wild card because Andrew Luck's still healthy, TJ. And as long as Andrew Luck is still healthy, then T.Y. Hilton is a big-time wide receiver. We've seen the, the the splits with and without Luck. It's drastic. But wide receiver 13 on FanDuel for Hilton, wide receiver 8 on DK, and just a little bit of a discrepancy. But I think you know T.Y. Hilton is a guy that you could be targeting even a little bit more on FanDuel.
1: Yeah, and, and I want to jump back to running back real quick. Okay. I said Trent Richardson. I obviously meant Terrence West. Trent, Trent Richardson's in the CFL now. Terrence West is on the Saints, not Trent Richardson. Uh, but T.Y., we, we I like this offense here, uh, the, the Colts in general, just because I think they're a little bit undervalued with – Andrew Luck expected to play week one and and we see T.Y. price down a little bit. Uh, I really like Jack Doyle's value on DraftKings. It really stood out to me. And and on FanDuel, T.Y.'s price is wide receiver 13 compared to the wide receiver 8 on DraftKings. So again, if you're looking to build that portfolio and be diversified, have uh, exposure to maybe one or, or two offices that you really like, but don't want to uh, say you don't want to roster T.Y. on DraftKings for whatever reason, price down on Fanduel, So that's uh, that's a good way to get exposure to lots of these Colts players and maybe not have to pull off like a double stack or something on on one of the sites.
0: Marquise Goodwin tearing it up again with Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. He's at Minnesota. There's a massive discrepancy between him on Fanduel and DK and then Cam Meredith, uh, somebody that I know you and I are very high on because of his role, the number two wide receiver. In the Saints offense, again, massive price discrepancy, and it's going to be a little tougher to fit them in on FanDuel, both those guys in on FanDuel, than it would be on DraftKings.
1: Yeah, I don't know that the the discrepancy does much for me in terms of, of the 49ers' pass catchers at Minnesota. We saw Minnesota play phenomenally well versus uh, pass catchers last year. Their secondary was great, despite I think it was the eighth toughest opposing wide receiver schedule, still finishing the top five in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. But uh, we talked about Kirk Cousins and and we talked about uh, his pass catchers, Diggs and Thielen, uh, at the top of the show. If you are going that direction and you're looking for a correlation in play, we do know that wide receivers don't need the same type of great situation that their quarterbacks do. Marcus Goodwin uh, led the team in targets uh, almost twofold over the number two receiver with Jimmy Garoppolo taking over last last year. Obviously, that was without Pierre Garçon, so uh, there's a little bit of an little bit of an asterisk there, but, uh, if this, if the 49ers are in catch up mode and they're for, forced to throw, Goodwin was Garoppolo's favorite target last year. Cameron Meredith is, is just a player that I, I love. And I, I love how cheap he was on DraftKings, And I have talked about ad nauseum this off season, how I think saints are going to be more pass heavy. I think Cameron Meredith is that number two that they were lacking last year. Uh, he's, he's shown us that he can provide blow up spots multiple weeks in a row, uh, FanDuel looked at that information, have him priced up as the wide receiver 18 compared to the 39 on DraftKings. Uh, that's a really big difference. And I'm really surprised. That's probably the most surprising price for any player on either side. The fact that they have him priced up that high probably points to them expecting really high ownership on that game. But Meredith is sandwiched between Chris Hogan, who Patriots pass catchers uh, or just Patriots players in general, they just always have inflated ownerships because their implied totals are always high. They're in a really good spot this week. And Chris Hogan's going to be their number one after Gronk. Uh, he's going to be the number one on the outsider in the slot for week one. And then uh, Meredith is between him and Michael Crabtree, who. I don't know that people are going to be in love with Crabtree, but there's been a lot of off offseason hype about Crabtree, and he is clearly going to be the primary target. So I think because of where he is, Meredith can get lost in the mix a little bit. He's only four hundred cheaper, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, four hundred cheaper than Juju Smith Schuster, who is going to be another popular play. I think with that Steelers offense, that
0: whole price tier right there is fascinating. With Meredith at Mm sixty six, Crabtree, and then Jarvis Landry too at 6.6 6. Mm-hmm. and th- don't tell me hard knocks won't give him a little bump there this is just oh it,
1: it, that's a thing that is give a, a real thing bump. just because yeah. yeah people haven't got to watch any football Whatever, it's almost uh it's almost akin to like the players on the primetime slate we don't get players in, in primetime games on the main slate anymore but it used to be that those players had inflated ownership because everyone got to watch their players so there's going to be a lot of people that uh the their the Browns are their players in Week One, and and it's actually funny. Davis Maddock was talking about it on his pod a couple weeks ago. Browns just might be a favorite public team this year, so we might see inflated ownership on them all year. Like like from a betting standpoint, the public might be going hard on the Browns, so that should translate over to ownership.
0: Right, have a good time with that. Is all I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> Jarvis hey, Jarvis Landry, monster talent. We know it. I'm I'm just saying that whole price range right there within two three mm-hmm. even four hundred dollars with the, a lot of interesting decisions coming up on week one pricing then to the tight ends um Austin Safarian Jenkins new address playing with Blake Bortles you got Vernon Davis and Cameron Brait. uh let's start with Safarian Jenkins because uh FanDuel does not think much of him but you know what Um uh, I, I was checking out the optimizer today TJ the new optimizer's up and they like Blake Bortles. You guys like Blake Bortles a little bit. And love loves Blake Bortles. I don't, I don't hate Blake Bortles at all. I have, I love Blake Bortles too because he has won me a little bit of money in the past. You say Blake Bortles, people want to puke, but go look at the numbers. He can win you weeks.
1: Yeah, the, the public, I think, is caught up to Bortles a little bit in terms of he just scores fantasy points. Obviously, I don't think many people think he's a, a good real-life quarterback, but uh, he is a valuable fantasy play and the public i think is catching up to that and uh, four for four is obviously on that early in week one and and one thing that you look at on four for four is the stack value reports it shows you the most valuable stacks and if you go through that it shows bortles with a lot of his wide receivers and we already talked about uh marquise lee dd westbrook and some of the other guys keelan cole i think people if they are on this blake bortles play on Fanduel, they're going to be looking, trying to figure out which wide receiver to pair him up with. And ASJ is kind of flying under the radar. And now FanDuel has him priced down at 24 compared to the tight end 16 on DraftKings. So that can be a really interesting play against a Giants defense that has been very bad against tight ends for multiple years. I I know we talked about last week how the tight end position doesn't necessarily carry over from year to year in terms of strength of schedule, but the Giants have just been that team that you just target with tight ends, and I don't think they've done anything to change that this year. Do you
0: have personal contact with the Optimizer? As far as you what? You the Optimizer alone. Have you ever just been alone with the Optimizer?
1: That's that's my Saturday every week during is. the season, See, just us hanging out. Yeah. A
0: little, little nickname for the Optimizer?
1: Uh, it depends uh, how the previous week went. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I get you on that one, man. All right. A lot of it is
1: uh, not safe for work.
0: <laughs> so the optimizer is up. And there's another reason that you should be getting your uh, DFS subscription here on 444.com. DFS MVP, 25% off. So Vernon Davis, listen, this is all this is all Jordan Reed dependent at this point. It's, yeah. The, if, if Reed plays, he could get hurt during the game. It doesn't matter. But if, if Vernon Davis is up, he's going
1: to... He can he get hurt getting out of bed. He can.
0: I mean, there, I've never... Well, I don't want to say never, but there is not another player in the NFL that is as injury prone as Jordan Reed right now. And Vernon Davis, if if Jordan Reed, if it is announced that he is not in week one, then th- this guy in cash game is going to be like 90 percent ownership. It's got to be Vernon Davis.
1: I I just think it was really interesting because this is a position that we harped on for quite a, a few minutes last week. DraftKings covered their bases. They just said, listen, we're going to price Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis basically together as the tight end uh, eight. I think it was on DraftKings on Fandle. They went the other way. They're just they're giving Jordan Reed the tight end seven price and assuming that he's gonna be there for week one. If if something happens, uh, Vernon Davis is is gonna be a crazy value and he could be that super high owned guy. Uh he is he's the tight end twenty six on FanDuel versus the tight end nine on DraftKings. So I don't think there's a lot to take from that other than FanDuel is confident that Reed is going to be healthy. Uh, but it, it's it's pretty interesting that the two sites are so far apart on that one.
0: Yep, and then in Tampa Bay, going up against New Orleans, we're talking about game script. I mean, this is a team that you would think is playing catch-up. Brait and Howard, the two tight ends as weapons for Ryan Fitzpatrick. How are they priced?
1: Pretty crazy because uh, this they basically did uh, them being FanDuel with Tampa Bay tight ends what DraftKings did with the Redskins tight ends, and that's just price them together as one tight end and, and let uh, you figure out – who you like out of the two, if you like either of them. But the thing that stands out is Brayton, OJ Howard are tied as the tight end 10, where Brayton is the tight end 20 on DraftKings. OJ Howard is the tight end 18 on DraftKings. So I, I go back to my point earlier, what does one site know that the other one doesn't or what's in the algorithm that's pointing to that? It's it's just a point that makes me want to dive deeper into the situation. It could have, I don't know if, if the... FanDuel algorithm takes this into account or, or if they adjust it manually. But uh, my my football brain says it could have something to do with Ryan Fitzpatrick starting. Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't throw deep as often as, as Jameis Winston does, actually far less often. And tight ends generally run shorter routes than their wide receiver counterparts, uh, especially camera. Ah, uh, Cameron Brate runs really shallow shallow routes. I think his A dot last year was around eight, where OJ Howard was around twelve, one of the highest in the league. So maybe they're thinking Fitzpatrick dumps it off to tight ends a lot more instead of throwing it outside. And and if that's the case, uh, that, that's a really good thing to note. Uh, if Fanduel's right, maybe you take that cheap uh, DraftKings tight end and and just let the the more expensive Fanduel price guide you that way.
0: And then you look at the defenses, three that you point out here: Pittsburgh. New England, Cincinnati, with fairly big discrepancies. I think the really interesting one is though Cincinnati at Indianapolis. The defense seven on Fanduel going all the way up to thirteen on DK. Where it, it's well, at least with the Pittsburgh, it's going the different way than that.
1: That's the one that stood out to me as well. I think with Pittsburgh and New England being, uh, New England's a touchdown favorite. I think Pittsburgh stands as five and a half point favorite right now. It's been fluctuating a little bit, uh, but but still worth noting. Pittsburgh's the defense ten on Fanduel versus the defense five on DraftKings. So uh, they they were bad last year, especially against the pass. I actually have liked. Tyrod as a early cheap cash game option, just kind of clicking around lineups. Uh and maybe Fandle is is privy to that as well. New England defense 10 on Fandle versus defense 16 on DraftKings. So Fandle actually is is the other way compared to Pittsburgh. They like they like the Patriots a little bit here, and I agree with that. And then Cincinnati at Indy, uh defense seven on Fandle. That's that's really high uh considering all the things we don't know about the situation. Cincinnati's been a, a mediocre defense. They've been okay. Uh, they had a couple of good spots last year, but I don't know if this is just factoring in the Andrew Luck question mark. I think probably the things that we've talked about leading up to, to this pot already is going to catch fire within the industry and probably spread to the general public. And that's being the, the Colts being a popular sleeper play. They might not be uh, that much of a sleeper by the time week one rolls around. I think people might start getting on that train. If Andrew Luck is healthy considering some of the prices. So it could just be a good contrarian play. People might not notice this and then say, screw it. Cincinnati's priced up on uh Fandle. They're probably going to look, uh, they're probably going to be overlooked a, a lot. Why not hedge your bets a little bit and and say maybe Andrew Luck needs to knock off the rust and comes out uh, slow in week one? And
0: just to that, I mean Marlon Mack, especially if they come out and say Marlon Mack is our our running back one at six k. I mean that's a that's a nice price there for week one for starting running back in that offense.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, again, it's 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 really going to come down to Luck's health, but that's another way to uh, just kind of be a contrarian against what I think the public might end up doing. And I, I hope they don't, because I think it's a great play to play that passing offense early on, but uh, time will tell.
0: All right, let's move on to preseason DFS because it is it is possible. It, it is popular, I should say. And I get back to the word degenerate. It pisses me off when people <laughs> use the word degenerate. So he's a gambling degenerate. He's a, he's a DFS. Whatever it is, degenerate, it bothers me, you know, because I'm not a degenerate. I, I, I know a lot of guys that lay money on games that aren't degenerates. And, you know, we play DFS. This is not gambling per se, but it's still, you know, going out and being a, a preseason football. It's got a stigma to it, right? It's not, yeah, what, are you yeah. doing? what are you doing playing preseason DFS? Well, you know what? A, it's fun. B, it's a different, you're, you're practicing. It's a different type of practice. You know, it's not this. it's totally different um, strategies than you have during the regular yeah. season, but it's also a lot of fun. And I actually like watching preseason football, some games, and it keeps me engaged in that. So let's get to some of the strategy. And before we even get into it, I think it's very important to stress that week one of the preseason is completely different from week two and week three of the preseason. And week four of the preseason is most like week one of the preseason. So a lot of the strategy Mm -hmm. has to do on a week-to-week basis in the four weeks of the preseason.
1: Yeah, that's that exact point is why uh, people should be paying attention to B-Riders and why there's an edge. In, in preseason DFS, it all comes down to playing time. But the fact of the matter is people that aren't well-versed in preseason DFS or just are trying to just win a couple bucks, there's going to be a, a very big handful of people that go in click the starters, lock those lineups, not look at them again. The only time those starters are worthy of playing is week three dress rehearsal. All the rest of the time, Tom Brady's not playing more than a series. He doesn't need to, but you're going to see Tom Brady in lineups. So preseason DFS, it all comes down to trying to figure out uh, how – these players are going to play who's going to play the most and just playing those players there's no value in preseason dfs everybody's priced exactly the same and what what we're going to have on four for four one of our our dfs writers pat james he gave us a really nice uh hall of fame game breakdown in our slack chat last week and i said hey pat Turn that into an article for DFS uh, preseason week one. So from from now, the the article is actually up as we're recording this. Uh, throughout kickoff uh, tonight, which is Thursday night, if you're if you're listening when this comes out, we'll be updating that article. So what you need to be doing is is just going there, clicking his article, clicking the beat writer. Uh, Twitter list that's in that article and figuring out who's going to play the most. Those are the players you want to play. Uh, That's, that's it. Uh, Matchups matter very little. Again, there's no value figure out who's going to play the most. It sounds very simple, uh, but, but that's really what it is in preseason and people just don't take the time to do it. And I think it's because the, the nuts and bolts of playing NFL is so different than other uh, DFS games. People that only play NFL just aren't used to having to be around for lock and changing their lineups an hour before kickoff because so little changes in the NFL. If there's a there's an injury leading up to kickoff, it's usually one that we know we should be looking for. But uh, looking for those minutes is very akin to to NBA, where once if 20 minutes before kickoff. Uh, coach might say, okay, this quarterback's going to play three quarters today. Now that quarterback should be locked into 60% of your GPP lineups.
0: I just poured one out for my homies, the kickers last week on FanDuel. That was the last <laughs> time you could play them in the Hall of Fame game. And now it's over. Yeah. It yeah.
1: Really I, I, there's going to be uh, the showdown slates where they have the, uh, the uh, what do they call it? The captain slot. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, both sites are going to do this. Uh, I, I don't, one of us, one of them sent us an email, but, uh, I, I believe kicker will still be available for those showdown games, but that's only for the one game slates. Yeah. And but I, it's, it's still just a flex option. So you don't have to roster a kicker, but yeah, pretty much it's eliminated.
0: I love showdown like over in the baseball season. Yeah. It's fun. And now on Thursday night, when we get into the season and two horrible teams are playing each other and I need another reason <laughs> to watch, then I'll totally do a showdown there's there's it's it's terrific it's a brilliant idea too so it is um let's let's talk about some strategy on what games to play because you should be focusing on gpp
1: yeah there's just so much variance and and there's you're not going to get really reliable volume i mean we could follow these beat reports uh but it's not gonna you're not gonna be able to to pin down 15 to 20 touches like you are during the regular season so there's some high stakes guys that, that play some cash games and, and you will get matched up with some dead money. So maybe some 50 fifties and double ups. Uh, I, I think that that's fine, but I don't know that a new preseason player should go and, and pick up, uh, 100 head-to-heads in preseason. Again, just it's just really high variance. It's it's similar to to having... When you have loose salaries in, in the middle of the season, I always advise uh, cutting down your your uh, cash game splits a little bit. It's similar to here. And then in, in week one, the, the all the main games... I don't even know if Fandu has small slates. I'm pretty sure they don't. DraftKings has a four-game slate and a couple showdowns. But pretty much we have a 12-game slate for preseason week one. So you're not going to be able to cover all your bases. You're not going to be able to... To narrow it down to a to a, a ten team player pool or ten player uh, pool where you can just have a, a solid cash game lineup. Uh, and for that reason, on a huge slate, uh, it's just going to be even more all over the board. So I would I would advise to stick into these GPPs, looking for decent payout structures. Um, and and there's some strategies you can do to maximize your efforts there too.
0: Yeah, and they just threw together a a twelve game slate here on uh, yeah. on Fanduel for the first. Yeah. For the first weekend, which is coming up Thursday night, again, you know, this is dropping on Thursday. So, a couple other things as far as preseason DFS goes, and you mentioned Pat James, who's going to be doing some work for the site. He and I were actually going back and forth on on uh, slack yesterday how he you want to get on the fantasy first pot uh podcast and drop some of the stuff and i was like yeah let, let's let's do this let's get this going and now i almost have to get him on there because i'm reading, <laughs> yeah i'm reading the breakdown i'm like oh I, I just some of the stuff i was thinking oh i learned a little bit here yeah so i think that um that's just another reason to get on four for four but yeah i like i like what pat did here we'll see we'll see if uh the my process uh, ends up winning me a little bit of money with some of the knowledge I learned from him too all right what are we doing running trains that just sounds dirty what are
1: we it running? does Come it on, does dude. but uh, but Family it's just gonna program. be it's gonna be dirty to everybody that's not doing it because you're gonna be taking all their money <laughs> uh, the, the for people that aren't familiar uh, the the concept of, of running train in a GPP is say you have a um, hundred fifty max contest instead of rolling out hundred fifty lineups just make fifteen lineups and enter that 10 times. And uh, the reason I think that works for preseason is because I mentioned you're, you're just not going to be able to narrow it down to uh, a core like you can in regular season GPPs of say 15 to 20 guys. You're going to have 30, 40 guys that are, are going to be getting uh, valuable playing time in the preseason with matchups all over the place. So I, I think what you can do is you can uh, take maybe two game stacks circled around uh two or three core players and and those two three or core players can be differentiated with uh the the two or three games that you stack for each lineup and and the reason this works in uh preseason is because you're just getting so much dead money in these uh preseason contests i i would estimate somewhere 10 15 percent of the lineups just don't have a chance because they're not paying attention to uh, these beat reporters and they're just if you see three starters in a lineup that that lineup's not cashing it just it's is not happening uh so for example if you have a 100 man gpp that pays out 25% of the field. If there's 15 dead lineups, you're almost 2 to 1 already. You almost have a 33% of cashing with a random lineup. So instead of making 150 lineups trying to cover all your bases or in this case I don't know if it's five lineups in this in this 100 man, take a couple lineups, roll out a 10 man train and your your chances of hitting are so high that you're going to jump so many lineups and and that lineup's going to make up for all the money that Maybe one lineup will hit if it comes in the top ten when you're trying to make 150 different ones. So, uh, just it's just something to think about. Not not a set in stone strategy, but uh, something that you can implement in preseason that often isn't viable except for maybe in qualifiers into the regular season.
0: No, I, I like to go back to the point where you get a smaller slate. There's a four game mm-hmm. slate on DraftKings. Yes, that starts yeah. at eight o'clock. I wanna, and I, that's yeah, that's what I've been targeting. I love that slate, four games. I don't have to worry about you know the other six or eight games out there where I'm completely getting inundated with so many different things at the same time. Just keep it simple. Four games. There's enough to trade eight different teams to pick from. I think that is the perfect slate for me in, in preseason.
1: I think so too, because you can take all of these strategies that we, we talked about, but you're not really losing an edge. A lot of times uh, the reason I typically shy away from these shorter slates in uh, regular season is it just one. It just kind of doesn't work with my process. My brain just doesn't grasp it for whatever reason. But uh, you're also adding variance in the regular season compared to to these uh, full slates where you can narrow down your player pool. In preseason, the variance is already high, so you're not necessarily adding variance on a shorter slate, but you're you're condensing the information that you have to take in, and the edge is still going to be there because. I think probably the same percentage of people are gonna be putting in dead lineups. So with eight teams, you you can still put together a, a core of players that are expected to see uh significant playing time, but you don't have to try to cover, I don't know, fifty guys. Maybe it's fifteen on a four-game slate. What
0: do you think about a showdown on a preseason though? Just a one-game showdown.
1: I think it's probably a profitable move. Uh, I have my reservations about it in regular season, but it it makes sense because of the points we talked about. If you can just pinpoint playing time, uh, especially with that one and a half x captain position, if if twenty minutes before before lock, they say that this player is going to play three quarters and no one else has that designation. That's an automatic captain lock for preseason. Uh, and and I don't think people understand how to leverage that, uh, that captain position yet, because it hasn't been around for very long.
0: Anything else you'd like to get to before we say goodbye?
1: There are a bunch of single entry contests, which might seem attractive for preseason. Cause you just don't have to think as much. You just have one favorite lineup and I'm a single entry guy, especially high stakes. But, uh, in in preseason, I think you're just straight up gambling there. <laughs>
0: that's that's hundred fa- percent. It's it's factual. I mean, you get yourself a little edge. You'll use a little skill by following beat writers, and then that's about yeah. It. And the rest, just and then all of a sudden,
1: you it. just make one line. Exactly. Yeah, that's 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 crazy.
0: All right, so a couple things to get to here. First of all, um, if you like what you heard tonight, even if you don't, just go and give us five stars, rate and review, and then we got some swag <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. T-shirt. We got, uh, I think we have four, maybe five different styles in the store right now. So you'll be able to, to pick one of those and, uh, that, or we have a four, for four hat in the store too. So, uh, whatever you like, get some four for four swag and, and it's all comfy, really comfy.
0: Four for four. Right. And I finally got, I finally got access to the store, to the four for four nice. store, but, um, we'll see if it gets here in time for you know, if it gets here in time for preseason action, which really when this drops will probably be about two hours. I don't know if it's going to or not, but I hope it does. The next thing is we do have some other podcasts. TJ, you can hear a lot on my solo podcast, which is Fantasy First. where basically, I read you all the fantasy football news you need to know in less than 10 minutes so that you don't have to do it. Um, so please listen. Subscribe to that. It's on you know, all the podcast servers it's called fantasy first really quick in the morning. You're all caught up. You can go on with the rest of your day. And of course the most accurate podcast with uh, John Paulson and those guys, he and Anthony do a great job on that as well. So those are our other podcasts. TJ always good. This is, this is getting good. we got action tonight and before you know it, we'll be kicking off the regular season. So great hanging out with you again, buddy.
1: Yeah, always a pleasure. Uh, Be sure to check out 444. 4. We have a, a ton of DFS content hitting the site uh, leading up to kickoff, especially with these prices out. So be sure you're checking that out.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, and you're right, because there's a whole bunch of different things I've been reading that you put up just going back and review from even last year. And something that we talked about, the definitive guides, the stacking, those are up there. There's so much that is in the DFS section. That's not, and you gotta, you gotta remind yourself, you gotta brush up. You can't just go in and try it thinking you're going to remember everything. So <laughs> uh, again, get out there. 444.com. This has been DFS. And
1: man, that car don't come out until next year. Where in the f- did you get it? That's 80,000 bucks. gone. where in the f- did you spin it? You must have eyes on your back. Cause you got money to the ceiling. And the bigger the, f- the bigger the pill the better I'm feeling. The more that I'm telling, willing, drilling and killing the killin Who's that? Neck